Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. All right. Walking through the central hall of the Las Vegas Convention Center. CES comes with a handy app, actually, a map of all of the many venues, and there's the list of exhibitors you can sort any number of ways, including by country. So let's do that. Represented Germany, Canada, Thailand, and of course, here's China. Let's try to check some of them out. Hey, welcome back to Politico Tech. It's Friday, January 12th. I'm Stephen Overly. At CES, no foreign country is better represented than China. It's second only to the U.S. in the number of exhibitors on display, and that's with Chinese turnout still below pre-COVID levels. Nevertheless, companies large and small across just about every industry have shown up in Las Vegas, and many of them are looking to expand in the U.S. market. All this as American skepticism of Chinese-made technologies hits an all-time high. So in today's dispatch from CES, I'm talking U.S. competition with China. As you might remember, at the beginning of this week, I talked to Gary Shapiro from the Consumer Technology Association and asked him how all of the geopolitical tensions around technology today will show up here in Las Vegas. For decades, Gary has run this whole spectacle, where more than a third of attendees travel from overseas. But Gary told me CES attendees are practical business people. They're looking to get deals done, despite differences over politics or policy. It's a sentiment some people here wear with pride, literally. Yes, in 2023, our, our trade guy had this great idea of getting these wristbands that said BFF, best friends forever, and said, let's talk about trading you know, and having deals with our friends, those that are treaty partners. That was viral. That one, we ran out of the bracelets. I mean, that was, and, and, it's, and the, the thought behind it, though, is, is really powerful. But it's not just business pragmatists here at CES. The Biden administration is also here, pushing the idea that China is in the rearview mirror trying to zoom ahead. One of the people looking at that is Assistant Secretary of Commerce, Alan Davidson, who I met up with here in Vegas. He leads the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. That's NTIA for short. And CES was his backdrop to announce grants that aim to help U.S. companies make equipment for a new generation of telecom networks, where the parts are more open and easily interchanged. We know... The wave of the future is open systems in wireless, but it needs a little bit of a push. And there are places where the market has not quite responded as fast as it could. With the Congress gave us the ability to make these investments, and we know that with a relatively small investment, we can sometimes really catalyze and move the industry a lot faster, and that's what we're trying to do. If that equipment isn't made in the U.S., or at least a friendly country, it will very likely be made in China. We see China weighing in, wading in to its markets, protecting a lot of its own uh, national champion suppliers, uh, unfairly competing, we think, in the, on the global environment. We have to do what we can, first and foremost, to try to uh, combat that uh, unfair competition, but also to really promote, uh, where, where it's appropriate, to catalyze industry and really promote these, um, these systems that we think are going to be good for our economy and our national security. That worry has also spurred Biden's sweeping incentives for electric vehicle batteries, 
renewable energy, and microchips. President Biden has pulled U.S. allies into the rivalry as well, a strength in numbers approach that the administration sees as necessary due to China's massive economic power. I also caught up with Ann Neuberger, Biden's deputy national security advisor, who debuted the latest alliance here at CES. Favorite anecdote of the morning was I walked over to the LG booth and the CEO pointed pointed to their connected, one of the connected home devices and said, Ann, you see the Energy Star label there? Next year, we're going to have a Cyber Trustmark label. That Cyber Trustmark label that Ann told me about is meant to do for cybersecurity what the Energy Star label did for conservation. Give consumers a quick way to know whether a product meets government standards. In this case, standards for keeping connected devices secure from hackers. The administration aims to roll out this cyber trust mark by the end of the year, and it won't be doing it alone. We reached out to the European Union, huge market for tech, and said, how about we build this from the ground up together? So today we announced that we launched a joint roadmap with the European Union for mutual recognition. My counterpart will be coming over, we'll sign that roadmap. And we did that to ensure that we're agreeing on the standard from the beginning so that companies know that when they test their products once to earn a cyber trust mark, they can sell it, you know, not just Paris, Texas, but Paris, France. They can sell that all over the U.S. and the European Union. And we want to scale that further. Now, she didn't say that China would be excluded from this new cyber club. And a company being located in China is not automatically disqualifying. But guarding U.S. consumers against foreign adversaries, it's top of mind. You recall recently the Iranian government hacked into connected water systems in various states to deface them, disable them. Minimal impact, but bottom line from both the consumer and national security side, that was the impetus to ensure that all these new connected devices are built securely and that consumers have a way to see if they're safe. And if the whole point is to give consumers confidence that their products won't be hacked and that their data won't be abused, those are areas where the administration views China as a top offender. Clearly, Chinese products are a concern because the Chinese government has such a relationship with Chinese companies in terms of requiring that data collected be shared. Um, so that's an addition, that is certainly a concern. The NIST standard is agnostic to that. The NIST standard says... Here are the minimum cybersecurity features. Here's the way that companies have to maintain a product, patch it quickly, keep it updated. This is the transparency you have to give consumers of what data is collected. And this is the way that data is communicated to the cloud in an encrypted way so hackers can't hack in and steal the data that's collected from homes. Okay, so we've got government officials buzzing around CES focused on U.S. competition in tech. And I wondered where that leaves those pragmatic business people that Gary told me about earlier this week. So I asked Barbara Humpton, the CEO of Siemens U.S., how much she thinks about U.S. competitiveness. Every single day. Siemens makes the kind of technology you don't see, but underpins systems that matter to our daily lives. Things like transportation, healthcare, and manufacturing. Walking around the company's exhibit booth at CES... I saw both prosthetic arms. Robotic arms are. Okay, so yeah, there's these right here, and you'll see them move. And trackers used in shipping containers. One right here is called Blendhub. It's a company that actually created a, uh, a food factory in a shipping container. And lately, 
Barbara told me the company has been digging into the industrial metaverse, a sort of virtual reality where engineers can work out solutions through trial and error before bringing them into the real world. You might have heard a year or so ago people talking about the metaverse. Right, yeah. You're going to play games in the metaverse, et cetera. That's great. A lot of people go, yeah, but you don't really want to escape reality. You want to make reality better. So what we're doing is saying, let's use those concepts, those technologies to create an engineering environment. So when I started my career, engineers worked with slide rules, you know, paper and pencil. Then we moved to two-dimensional computer-aided design. Now we've been working with three-dimensional tools. Now, Siemens is based out of Munich. The U.S. is its largest market. And the company also counts 20 research and development hubs in China, its largest research branch outside of Germany. It's the kind of company that sits right at the center of these geopolitical tensions we're talking about between the U.S., China, and the EU. We've been very clear that we believe that decoupling actually would be greater risk. So, you know, we are absolutely, I'll tell you the way we've been talking about this. Think about glocalization. That was glocalization, like localization with a G out front. It's a corporate term I had never heard before. We're living in a world where now we have the ability to move data, not stuff. Right? We, have the, we, we have the ability to innovate anywhere and make everywhere. And so what about China for China? What about U.S. for U.S.? That's the way we've been operating as a company. Barbara told me the talk about competition between the U.S. and China is not overblown, but it is different from what it used to be. Companies are becoming less focused now on finding cheap labor and instead want to make their products closer to the people who buy them. I think we are reaching that tipping point where you know, let's not talk about U.S. competitiveness and labor costs anymore, because that's not what makes the decision. What I think is going to be the key decision in the future is proximity to customers. Interesting. Shorten the supply chains. De-risk the supply chain. And now if we can glocalize, coming back to that concept, if we can glocalize, we're going to find that strong regional supply chains are far more powerful than the former, I'll call it fragile, global supply chain. Well, I'm Barbara. Thank you so much for joining us on Politico Tech. Stephen, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. As I leave CES, there's no doubt this event is still very global. Thousands of exhibitors and many more attendees have flown here from more than 50 countries, all for a week of buying and selling and networking and gadget gawking. And whatever way the U.S.-China relationship turns in 2024, they'll all be back to do it again next year. That's all for today's Politico Tech and for my time in Las Vegas. But come back next week for some of my final reporting from CES. Politico Tech will be off on Monday, but I'll be back in your ears the following day. And in the meantime, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our managing producer is Annie Reese. Our producer is Afra Abdullah. And our editors are Steve Heuser, Daniela Cheslow, and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. I'll see you back here on Tuesday.